Welcome to the IQ Meets EQ podcast. I'm Jackie Broman, Principal Solicitor at TBA Law and CEO of Legally Wise Women. And I'm here, as always, with Ush Dannett, former corporate lawyer, then head of HR, and now an emotional intelligence coach. Good morning, Ush. Morning, Jackie. How are you going? Good, good. How are you in lockdown? Yeah, not too bad. It's what, week six, I think, that we're in now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know when we're going to get out of it, but it's okay. I think it's just getting used to life being this way at the moment and homeschooling and work. And it's it's hard to coach when you can't see your clients face to face, but yeah, still just getting stuff done. So yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Yeah, pretty well, thanks. Yeah, it's lots of time on Zoom and the phone and things like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Zoom fatigue is real, that's for sure. Yes, very real, very real. And you're not having too many crises about with the people that you're managing? No, but there has been a fair few like redundancies and things like that happening over the last few weeks. So yeah, yeah, there's been a fair bit of that to deal with. And then just the emotions of people as well, right? Obviously being Mm. an EQ, but Mm. just the ups and downs of what everyone's feeling. And, you know, especially if it's a small business. Yes, yes. It does drive the emotions on big roller coaster, doesn't it? Yeah. And I've got two construction clients as well. So oh. I've obviously had it tough the last few weeks. Yeah. I guess the difference between when Vic went into our 12 week lockdown last winter was that they still had job keeper and job seeker. And yeah. it's just so different this time. Mm. It is. It mm. is. Mm. So we'll see. Mm. Mm-hmm. But you're still getting out and doing some training? I am I'm doing a one-on-one in the park thank god for that yes good good yeah and the days feel like they're starting to get a little bit longer like it isn't quite light yet but it's not dark at seven o'clock in the morning anymore either which is good no but the days are just rolling into one did you get that when you were in lockdown yeah yeah it just feels like a huge it was a time warp in the middle of the year it was just yeah. this big blob of time <laughs> exactly it's like I get to Friday I'm like oh my god it's Friday already like how did that happen and then it's yeah. like the weekend and it Nothing just ro- rolls yeah it rolls all into one mm-hmm. and then it's like Monday again oh great okay let's start the week <laughs> mm, yeah and uh yeah so much time passes it's hard to measure what you are actually moving forward as well mm. But I guess there shouldn't be as much pressure to move things forward. It's just survive, really. Exactly. That's what it is at the moment. Just mm-hmm. a day at a time. I'm doing a mental challenge at the moment. Have you heard of 75 hard? No. Mm-mm. It's a mental toughness challenge that talks about why people give up on things around fitness. Mm. And it's 75 days. You've got to do it 75 days straight. Mm. If you miss one day, you start again from day one. <laughs> So people have taken like a hundred and God knows how many days to complete a 75 day challenge, Mm. but it's really good, but you have to do a workout every day. You have to read a book for like 10 minutes a day. You're going to drink a gallon of water a day and no coffee or alcohol for 75 days. Is a gallon of water four liters? 3.7. Yeah. Right. And does walking count as a workout? So you have to do one that is outdoors and it can be a walk. And then you have to do a second workout, which is indoors. All right. Okay. So two workouts. So one workout and one walk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. 75 days, mental toughness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that is literally a day at a time that you got to do it. If you look at it to go, oh my God, I've got 75 days of this. You're fucked. I mean, you're screwed. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, bleep that out. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> yeah, right. I can see how that, that would be really good habit setting for some. And it would only be like if you had a really good routine through the week, it would only be if you did something on the weekend that threw you off routine, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to get a visual because I'm quite visual. So I'm going to get a bowl. I'm going to put like 75 something in it yeah. and then move one into the other bowl each day so I can like visually see how many days I've got. What a great idea. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, not chocolate. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not chocolate. No, marbles. Yeah, good idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> Natalia, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm so glad to have you on. We've been, like I said earlier, before we started recording, sort of seeing each other and crossing paths all the time. And now we get to talk deeply, which I'm so pleased about. (laughs) Absolutely. Very exciting. (laughs) So going all the way back to when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Interestingly, I loved animals, like maybe most girls and boys and I really wanted to be a zoologist but then I've moved on to become a an interpreter so that's where I suppose that's where my love for languages started but when I so I did a languages and psychology actually degree okay and I moved to Australia when I was 21 and all of a sudden I found myself fascinated by the world of finance And because I was living by myself with no help or support at Mm -hmm. age of 21, I felt I actually needed to learn how to navigate my personal finances, how to actually save money and not to get too much on my credit card. Yes. So I went back to uni and did master's in um, banking uh, and finance. Wow. Okay. So... Coming to Australia as a 21-year-old, what what brought you here? Did you have family here or was there a particular reason why you had to leave home? Yeah, look, I suppose I had a a boyfriend at that time and, you know, that's something that kind of happened and it was just love brought me to Australia, I suppose. (laughs) There you go. And you stayed. And I stayed, yeah. Yes. So before we started recording, you did tell me because your accent is very mild. And then when you came, I loved the story that you couldn't pick up our accent, even though you'd studied English. (laughs) Absolutely. I just couldn't really understand. It was a very specific accent and I had to, it took me a while to get to know it more and learn. But now when I speak, sometimes I feel like I'm actually, you know, catching myself saying a lot of Australian words and sounding very Australian, even though I've got my you know, other accent too. So it's it's a combination. (laughs) All right. So came out here for love, realised that you were, you know, so far away from your family too, I guess. You needed to be independent, learnt banking and finance. Were you working while you were studying? Uh, Yes. Yeah. I was. And trying to do different, obviously, jobs, but also I fell into financial planning. I um, joined a, a small boutique financial planning firm and loved it. So it was really good to start, you know, 
and, and I guess, you know, learning finance and being in the financial planning industry really helped me to cement my knowledge. And, and that's what I then became. I became uh, a financial advisor. So yeah. it's sort of like it started quite early in my career. In my, when I was 23, yeah. I became, I, I joined a financial planning firm. Yeah, right. Okay. So getting a lot of on-the-job training too. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And it's had the best way to learn. Yes, absolutely. I agree. So as a young woman going into uh, the financial industry, which is traditionally fairly male dominated, and also potentially, you know, English being your second language, what sort of challenges did you face? Did you come up against those gender roles? Or how did you navigate that? Absolutely. I still feel like I'm learning so much. And uh, I guess there are always those challenges that sometimes you know it's your mindset. You kind of maybe something holds you back. And for me, what really worked is just being persistent. I knew that if I really wanted to achieve something and I put a lot of effort into it, I will get it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just applied that rule and I went for it. And I guess being brave and taking risks as well and not really listening to the noise because there is a lot of noise out there. So if you know, if you focus on what you really want to achieve in your life and you don't worry about all of the obstacles because they all be, they will always be there, kind of really have your heart set on something and go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so push through regardless of all the bits going on around because you, you clearly sort of found your passion and, and just ran with it. So now that you've been in financial planning for quite a while, what focus do you take like what are you really passionate about in the financial space I love helping women and I I feel that's my passion and particularly because um when I you know I came to Australia and obviously I um that love situation didn't work out for me so Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had to stand on my own two feet I had to learn and it did take a while for me to kind of really get to a place where I felt confident and comfortable Mm -hmm. and that I was in control of my financial life so I feel now I'm my mission is to empower other women so they don't have to go through my journey and sort of you know maybe years and years of struggling um to kind of to know how to do it better. And it does take a while, I suppose, for some people to to get to a place where they feel comfortable, but it doesn't have to be that many years. You know, it could be really um, much quicker. So that's my passion. Help them realise that they can actually do it and have the confidence because sometimes we lack that confidence and maybe it's because we just don't know what, what we don't know. And that holds us back. And sometimes it's just, you know, our perception that we're not good with money. Mm -hmm. That's another reason why a lot of us just do nothing. And doing nothing is not an option sometimes. No, no, that's right. And so you learnt all these hard lessons as a young woman by yourself. But I guess you're probably finding a lot of women at all different ages who now find themselves on their own and trying to work these things out. So what is common amongst what you find amongst women that you meet and potentially what I guess may stand out at certain ages as well. Yes, I suppose when we are younger, we don't really think long term. 
So when we're in our 20s and our 30s, we really just focus on our immediate future. And that is, you know, what I'm going to do today, tomorrow, what job I'm going to have, what I'm going to buy for myself. We don't really think about our retirement. Mm -hmm. So I guess, um, so what I see sometimes is that women go through life without actually really being focused on, on their longer term well-being financial well-being and also when they've got no need for it for example if they are in a relationship and everything is going really well in terms of from a financial point of view their their partner looks after all things financial Mm -hmm. so they become comfortable and they outsource that entirely and where when that relationship breaks down that's when they realize that actually they are they haven't learned how to manage it manage their financial affairs on their own and that's when they obviously come and see us which is great so we help them to go and you know guide them on their journey but some others can't afford for example our services it's really you know it it is a challenge to uh, I suppose to for those women to stand on their own two feet because there's so much to learn Mm -hmm. and you know who do you trust where do you get that information so when there is a trigger event for example if there is a in illness or injury, that's when people, um, you know, they start thinking about their longer term, I guess, situation, uh, or if there is anything else that happens in their life, like a redundancy or a pandemic, I suppose, mm-hmm. that prompts us to think about sort of other aspects of our life. And that's where we uh, come in, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you also called it the financial well being. It's not just, you know, the, financial position of someone it's actually more of a a wellness thing as well so can you talk a little bit more about that absolutely well I guess you know if you think about well-being you know you look at your mental well-being health uh, obviously your physical well-being but also your financial well-being is just Mm -hmm. to ensure that you've got everything in place if there is a situation that you need to get access to a you know, cash funds to pay for an emergency or to, you know, to pay some medical bills. You've got that, you know, safety net Mm -hmm. that you can rely on. So you do look at, obviously, you know, financial well-being in the future. Are you going to maintain your lifestyle in your retirement, lifestyle you are currently very accustomed to? So all of those questions about your financial well-being is how well you also understand your situation and whether you've got any anxiety or stress around it. Because sometimes money, you know, and, you know, finances cause stress. We Some people live paycheck to paycheck. They don't know what's happening. They get themselves into debt. So being financially well, it means that, you know, we've got everything under control. We know where we stand. We've got our, our goals. We've got our path to, and our plan to achieve those goals. And we are feeling, you know, quite good about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And I don't actually think that I've thought of it as part of well-being before. Like I've thought of it as being the base potentially of then having your well-being grow from because if you've got the anxiety of poor finances, it does affect everything. But I hadn't actually thought of it being a component of wellness. So, yeah, I like it. I like yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. And tell me if you don't want to go here, but... I know that there's a lot of women now talking in the educating and empowering women space for, you know, financial education and things like that. 
And yet I think that quite a few of those people who've put their hand up to do financial education, you know, it's hard to assess what background they have or what qualifications they have. Do you have anything about that you want to say about the industry or about how to assess what information you're getting or where the information you're getting it from? Absolutely. And there are a lot of influences out there. Mm. We spoke about them earlier. Uh, I guess my question is always, what is it in them in there for them? Mm-hmm. Any any product that they promote or any discussion they have, obviously they somehow get paid. So I, I would always wonder how obviously they you know how their business their business model mm-hmm. what is it based on? Um, as a consumer, um, I guess doing your research. Uh, is very important and finding out about the person. So that's when the trust comes into play. I guess there are there is a, a financial advisor register. Mm-hmm. If you just Google financial advisor register, it will come up. So you can actually put their name into that search bar and their name, if they're not registered on the ASICS website, it means that they're actually not a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. So you've got obviously your financial coaches are there mm-hmm. as well so they're slightly different so it's all about cash flow coaching and you know money mindset coaching I guess it's really yeah so finding the right person who can actually help you in your personal circumstances could be a challenge and mm-hmm. I guess you know looking at you know we always take advice from our family and friends mm-hmm. again is this the best option sometimes maybe not really understanding um, I guess what do we actually need what, what, what is our problem what is our one burning issue that we are currently experiencing and then trying to find the right person who can actually help you to you know you know help you achieve that goal or mm. s- sort out that problem mm, mm. yeah no that's a great point I had thought that most of those money mindset people were financial planners but no no (laughs) that's right it's changing and the industry has changed the financial planning industry has changed since the royal commission so i guess you you do have a lot of people that are obviously uh, perceived as financial planners Mm. but they're not and how do we know it's Mm. just and that's why that website asics website really helps understand whether they are actually financial advisors Mm, yeah no fascinating thank you (laughs) okay so you as a 21 year old you hadn't come to Australia quite oh you were just about to make that journey weren't you yes yeah so going back then to that time what sort of advice would you go back and give yourself as a 21 year old wow look I spoke about risk taking I think I, particularly when we talk about women, I think women, I'd love them to take more risk and just to really focus on their personal well-being. Sometimes we focus on what's good for others more than what's good for us. And without being selfish, I think it's really important that we look after ourselves first and getting education, getting as much knowledge as possible it's extremely powerful because knowledge is power. So really learning. And I know sometimes people say, oh, you know, it's finance is boring and, you know, but it's essential. So it's like your health. It's essential to know the basics of finance and how money works. So I would say I would encourage every young 
girl and woman to really listen to podcasts about financial planning, speak to others about it. Money has this bad sort of, you know, it's a bit of a taboo. We don't talk about money. And also earlier in life, we might have very different upbringing in terms of what what was okay to talk about during the mm-hmm. you know family discussion so I guess really understanding having that awareness and, and also you know everyone has blind spots and that's okay it's okay to to learn about it later in life as long as we don't repeat the same mistake twice so you know it's for all of those things yes yeah yeah what's that saying uh, fool me once shame on me if, yeah. Uh, or the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. It takes, I've read it somewhere and I love stats, but it takes 24 times for somebody to do something 80% accurately. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually, and that's why I think when it comes to personal finance, yeah, it's not okay just to to read about it it's actually mm. the doing part mm-hmm. that is more important and you we we only learn a mis- you know by making mistakes so yeah. when we um teach our kids for example to you know anything about money i think it's really important that they've got that responsibility of handling money early in life as well mm. so they actually they even if they lose money it's okay because at that age is really not that significant Mm. it's different when we are an adult Mm. so learning and making mistakes is really important throughout the process even if you bought bitcoin and you've lost all of your money it's okay it's as long as you don't didn't put all 100 percent of your (laughs) wealth into it you know it, it is still a learning curve so that's fine and I think that's what sometimes is missing. We just don't do it because we're so scared that we will lose money. Yeah, yeah. Which bring, brings me back around to you talking about risk-taking before. Um, and I, I agree. I do think it's because people are so scared of losing anything, let alone, you know, even if it's just a small amount. It's like we've, I think we do, we have like a greater aversion to loss than we do to gain, don't we? So we, we prevent ourselves from losing. We don't take any risk because we're so scared of losing something, regardless of if the gain could be bigger or not. So, I mean, it's all about calculated risk too, isn't it? So hmm. it's true. It's true. And what is the worst that could happen? Like I would always ask that question, what is the worst outcome that could happen? Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. with any decision. With young people, you were just talking about them managing money from as early on as possible. Do you think with us going or having less and less cash these days and more, it's, you know, just numbers on a screen or numbers in an app, do you think that that is having any impact on the younger generations managing money? I think it's definitely, it, the world is getting more complex. And I feel mm. like sometimes when I work with my clients that are in their 60s or 70s, they've got a very different perception of money and the way they handle their money. Mm. Some of my ladies, they, you know, they used to, they used to put $100 in an envelope and they would only spend at $100 in a week. So and they used to, that, that was very simple, but yet it worked. Mm-hmm. where currently we've got so much happening we've got buy now pay later pro, um, you know payments systems and obviously that is extremely a different level we've got credit cards obviously and sometimes it's harder for younger people to understand 
you know, the actual product details, the terms of those contracts. Mm-hmm. So they they might not realize what they get themselves into. Mm-hmm. And obviously the product providers, they don't really openly talk about it because it's not, it's not in their best interests. So I guess it's there is certainly more complexity that they need to learn later in life. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest, always the biggest advantage is when we talk with kids at home about money and we have open discussions and we show, not just show, but we talk about any decision that we make as adults, mm. that's when, that's how they learn, but also encourage them to, you know, make those decisions to, so, and that sometimes, you know, it, it, it's really hard to achieve, but that's, on, that's the only way they can learn is by looking at us and by copying our behavior and copying our actions. That's how kids, you know, they're sponges. They really learn from everything that they see. Yeah, yeah. A lot of women don't like being thought of as role models, but we're always role modeling all the time, aren't we? So, Absolutely. Yeah, no, very good point. So... As you said, the world's getting more and more complex. You're talking to women and trying to or to educate them as well at the same time as getting them to take some risks and manage money for themselves. I can imagine that there would be a fair bit of pressure. How do you make sure that you're well? How do you do you have regular little check-ins or anything that you do for your own health? I certainly Again, it's part of my personality. I do like um, a routine. I do like, mm-hmm. um, you know, a good system in mm-hmm. place. <laughs> so if I, and, you know, it's been quite sort of cold and wintry lately, so it's been hard to, you know, to wake up sometimes early in the morning. But I feel like, and same with finances, if you inbuild all of those little tricks into your life, like brushing teeth, you know, it's something that we do on a regular basis, very similar with any other activity, anything that you'd love to achieve, like saving, for example, or investing. If you build it, if you make it part of your routine, you will do it. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It could be five minutes a day or, you know, 10 minutes a week, as long as it's there and it's it's constant. Mm. So that potentially could help us to achieve better results than if we just do it once a year Mm. so for me personally yes I'm trying to build all of that into my calendar you know trying to be more uh, obviously you know from a health point of view very similar as financial you know you do just build it into your life and you just have to follow it (laughs) yes there's a lot of willpower it's okay to no it's okay to not to do it once in a while like you know you know, don't beat yourself too, up too much because it's, you know, we're all humans. We all have our flaws and that's that's just what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, and then you'll get there, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It's all about, you know, 80 20 rule. If we don't do it consistently for a short period of time, we'll achieve mm-hmm. better results if we just do sprints. Mm-hmm. Mm, fantastic. Great advice. Thank you very much. Just being respectful of your time. I want to thank you again for reaching out and we've finally got to speak properly. So that's great. If anyone wants to continue this conversation, get in touch with you directly, where should they go? Uh, True Wealth Advice is the business. Natalia Smith is my name. I'm on social, Instagram, LinkedIn, and would love to, um, to speak to anyone who's in need of, you know, a bit of guidance, I suppose. And really, I think it's all about having those discussions and um, being 
I guess, not judgmental, but anyone can achieve a better life. So that's kind of, you know, yeah, we're here to help. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. I love these finance ones. We've done a couple, haven't we? I think we've done about two before. And every time I listen to it, I get into a panic mode for like 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Going, my financial well-being is so shocking. no it's not it's, it's got better actually each time I've heard someone because you know what I have to say every time we've heard someone and I can't remember who they were to be on the top of my head but I've made a change yeah, since good. every single one of them yeah. so I was actually excited listening to this last night going I wonder what I'm going to do this time around to embed a change towards yeah. you know getting better better with savvy um savvy with money so the first one we heard I had actually booked an appointment with the financial advisor mm-hmm. got my super sorted Good. got another accountant so yeah every time I've done something so it's it's good it's like it's really educated me in the process as well <laughs> it's great because we don't actually talk deeply about technical stuff it's just bringing it to your the forefront of your mind that ah, I'm not actually sorted in this area mm. yeah and it, there's always this perception right that we've got time Mm. And I think, you know, Natalia made a point to go, you know, we, we sort of live in the moment a lot and we just go, yeah, okay, you know, retirement's ages away or mm-hmm. I don't need to think about it then and super will be okay then. And mm-hmm. But it creeps up, doesn't it? it yeah. Like it really creeps up. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. You and I, though, if you, again, think about it very visually, we are almost halfway through our main working life. Yes, and if we haven't done much with that yet, we've only got half again, what that, that amount of time, you know? So been working for 20 years, haven't really put all that much into super, haven't paid off a house. We've only got maybe 25 years left of work. <laughs> yeah. When you put it like that, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Want to go hide in my fort. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's true. It's so true, though. But I've also got, you know, since since learning about this stuff and having my, you know, thing with the financial accounts and what I've realized, though, is and it sounds so simple, but and you hear it all the time and it's cliched, but you've got to get your money to work for you, because I think, you know, in the olden days, I don't know about your upbringing, but with mine, it was definitely just work hard, buy a house, pay it off, you'll be okay. And it's Mm -hmm. in, you know, our parents, they never invested because it wasn't a thing. They just worked hard they got their paycheck and we lived okay and that's that's all it was so your paradigms around money are technically all around what it was growing up and it's that whole rich dad poor dad thing if you look at it isn't it around time for money not just a paycheck and it's not even if you're employed that's fine it doesn't, you don't have to run your own business but it's about how can you be smarter how can you be smarter so the money is making money mm, very true very true And I like the concept and I don't think that I'd heard it before and I said that during the interview about financial well-being because I don't think the other financial planners have talked about it in that way. They'd talked about, you know, your values around your money and and those sort of things, but it is a whole a whole part of your well-being I guess I like 100 percent because Mm. especially like if you look at marriages what's the biggest cause of stress Mm. in couples is is money money. is finance Mm. So it totally is about your well-being really in that sense because if you're going to stress about it, then that, that totally affects your well-being. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. So I've got like that 
IQ side of my brain that's go, okay, I'll go see a financial planner and, you know, invest my money, whatever money I have. And then the other side of me is like, oh, it'll be all sweet, abundance mindset, you know, there's mm-hmm. enough to go around, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm sort of like <laughs> half and half with it all as well. Yes. And when speaking to Natalia and finding out that some of those mindset coaches probably don't have a background in money at all, it is like, well, it would be a little bit wary potentially of that abundance message because it, it can catch you. I mean, there's the concept of, yeah, I'm building a business, I'm building a business and it will pay off one day. But what if that one day is a long way away? Or too late. Or, or too late. You know, you're still going to have enough potentially, but you do wonder, well, if I was chipping away, like you were saying, at some investments now, how much further ahead would I be when my business does finally pay off, you know? Yeah, I guess what I've done to shift that, because you're right, it is that. I think it's two things. First thing is if you have an abundance mindset, even if you don't have as much as you wanted, you would still be happy. Mm. right Mm -hmm. so that's one thing Mm -hmm. but I think the second thing with the abundance mindset is to actually visualize the amount of money you want and start working towards that so it just relieves the pressure in a way of oh my god I've got to you know top up my super and this and that so like on my vision board I've got savings goals I've got you know two houses that I want paid off and Mm -hmm. so I think it's definitely a combination of the IQ-ness and okay I've got to sort my shit out versus I'm going to also visualize and emotionalize that visualization of where I want to be and I've noticed I've been way less stressed about money in the last 12 months than I ever have been Mm. ever and considering I'm also divorced now so even more so you know Mm -hmm. that you think that it'd be more pressure but it's not it's like I'm just like yeah definitely more in that abundance mindset more in that Mm -hmm. I know what I want and I know I can get it you're right I think it does definitely have to go hand in hand because if you didn't have the IQ piece with the with the plan about how to get to the vision you would just be relying on hope and I like the saying that hope is never a strategy (laughs) yeah 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 exactly so But yeah, and then it also starts, I think we've spoken about this before as well with the other interviews, but it starts with, for me, going back to the EQ piece, it's about awareness of what my blocks are for money. And I think no amount of going to see a financial planner and investing is going to work until you remove some of your paradigms and blocks, because it it goes back to those, if you look at those lottery winners, right, that can't keep the money because they just, you know, they're conditioned, they don't feel worthy of it. So I know that I've done, you know, a fair bit of work with John Asaraf, who's amazing around money. Yes. I mean, he's got a program called Winning the Game of Money. And it's all about, okay, you know, whether you have X amount or insane amount of money, how do you know that you are in the right headspace to receive and accept and keep it? And I think that is so true. And I've seen people, like I've seen friends of mine that have had money and it's gone and they're like, what? I don't know what happened. And I'm like, how can you lose a million dollars? Like, what's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> how does it just go yes but it does it's because they they don't feel worthy you know that they don't feel deserving of it so I think there's financial well-being absolutely but I think there's so many other angles of it that we don't talk about in mainstream you know financial literacy Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mm. yes whenever you talk about money blocks I always wonder well 
you know, what are mine? <laughs> I think I might have them all. <laughs> yeah, mine was initially around like, you know, just pricing as well of my service. I remember having that one for ages. Mm like ages and my coach was like what are you doing you might as well just give it for free to get really shitty at me and I'm like no I can't and what was what he said it was interesting was I was not only did I have I didn't value my expertise and worth and time but also what he said and it was so true was I was projecting my money fears on someone else so Mm. I was going oh they're not gonna be able to afford it or you know it's going to be too much money for them and he's like how do you know what their circumstances are how do you know that they don't value this and they've invested or you know save money to pay for this and and it's so true we project our own issues onto other people and then they pick that up in energy and then you 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 wonder why people aren't buying your service and uh, in this book I was reading you know they talk about they did this experiment there was a shop somewhere in like in, in the UK and it, it was selling these sort of crystal jewelry and she just couldn't sell it in the shop. It just wasn't moving. It was one of the products that wasn't moving. And this money guy went in and he said, he goes, it's too cheap. And she's like, no, it's just not selling. Like I just want to get rid of it. And he's like, no, he goes, put the price up four times what it is. And she's like, no, don't be silly. He's like, trust me, just put it up. She put it up the price four times of what it was. And it went within weeks. <laughs> very interesting mm-hmm. it is isn't it mm. so yeah there's I I think that side of this whole money is fascinating yes yes it's funny actually I'm reading this book at the moment or listening on audible rather it's called the soul of money I read it you have yeah 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 it's amazing it's quite good it looks at it is good and it looks at a whole lot of different scenarios that this woman has been in for both very wealthy people and very poor people yes talks about all the psychological things that are keeping people in their patterns yes it's it is it's a really good book I've Mm. actually listened to it twice (laughs) but you can take that to the next level and it will be a topic for another time but they also say that your business has a soul, mm-hmm. right? So if you have passed in your ancestral line, if people have done bad things in business or, or you know, screwed people over with money, it impacts your business, your current business. And there's this guy who does this work and he removes these like financial blocks that, you know, people go I don't know why my business is successful like I'm doing everything right I'm marketing it right I'm doing everything mm-hmm. and he goes nap he goes there's generational trauma in the soul of your business it's it's such a freaking good book <laughs> and he shares like anecdotes of people he's worked with in their business and he's just worked with them for like two or three sessions and then they he's literally turned their businesses around and they're like I don't get it like you know we've done everything we've had coaches we've done this we've done this and he's like oh yeah he goes it was just ancestrally in your line someone just did something bad and it's impacted yours you have to find the name of that book for me soul marketing soul marketing so it's the next step after soul of money (laughs) yeah and it basically teaches you how to market your business from the soul perspective of your business and not worry about you know paid ads and this and that and he's like just work on and treat your business as a soul so the other thing he talks about which I love is you know if you know that your business has a soul how do you treat people in your business you know how do you value them how do you provide the best value Mm -hmm. so he makes you just be better 
in your business with the concept that your business has a soul. So mm, very good. Thank you. Another book to read. Yeah, that's good. I love it. Mm, mm. I love as well at the end that Natalia touched on a few other themes that we hear quite regularly about role modeling and also about the 80-20 rule. She touched on both those things that we keep hearing over and over again. Mm. And with the role modeling, it was certainly sort of coming back around to some of our very early conversations around women not particularly wanting to step up and be seen as leaders. And yet we are leading all the time and role modeling to those around, particularly to kids and to younger staff and to, you know, those who even just follow us in terms of influence. Yeah, it's so true. I was taking away from that bit, not really leadership modeling, but just how I am with Gia, my daughter. And, you know, it goes back to those paradigms of how you use certain words around money. So not saying like, oh, you know, we can't afford that or it's too expensive, you know, Mm. just phrasing things better, uh, more in the positive about, oh, that's, you know, that's worth a lot. How are we going to save for that? You know, rather than, oh, it's too expensive. Um, Because then it's, you know, putting our own lack limitations onto them. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. They do, they do learn a lot and they do pick up a lot from you. And, you know, then you feel this responsibility of like you're shaping potentially your child's financial freedom based on how you behave and act. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't remember what I was watching, but it was somewhere where some quite aware mother was like I'm trying not to recreate all these conditions and issues that I had in myself that I had to undo but then she was really conscious that um, no matter what you're going to put some kind of trauma into your kid anyway one way or the other so oh well (laughs) exactly yeah but then give them the tools so that that, you know they can deal with it Mm. Mm. whatever that looks like Yeah. yeah yeah No, it was, it was interesting. Again, good conversation and good reminder. I think you're right. I think we've had about one financial planner a year over the last three years. It sort of comes back around, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And it's, it always gives me a bit of a, a nudge to do something. So yeah. are you going to do anything? Have you been inspired to to a health financial health check or something? Or <laughs> Well, I'm going to get the solar marketing book. So that's yeah. one thing that I'm going to do. I'm actually sitting down with my accountant today to go over some of the performance things in business wise, business finances, because I think that, you know, I've got my personal finances as sorted as I can within the scope of what I'm doing. And, you know, you can't invest anymore unless you've got more income and the business has to be then the thing that is generating this income so I've turned my focus back to that to see well what tweaks do we need to make to actually make this thing perform awesome Mm. great Mm. so that combined with soul of marketing might be the way to go might be the way to go Yeah, I updated my vision board because I do it every Christmas with Gia, but I thought, you know what, I was really inspired this weekend just to update it. So Uh I've just updated it with some financial goals, business goals, but actually put time for a couple of dates to it this time around. Mm -hmm. So around savings and, you know, what I want to achieve. So that's, that's one thing I've done. So I've just been a bit more 
clearer in my visualization. So yeah, that, that was my sort of one bit of action. Fantastic. Well, for the listeners, please tell us what your one bit of action is. Please get in mm-hmm. touch. Which, when they, where can they contact you? Uh, EQ.academy, thanks. Brilliant. Jackie at Legally Wise Women or LinkedIn. We do post this yes. on there and it's a really great place to have some conversation in the comments there or at iqmeetseq.com.au. All right. Well, Thanks again. Good to see you. Thanks. And you. (laughs) It feels like it's been a while, but yes, see you again soon. 